A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I am Dory Shafrir. And you know, we are not experts. We're not. We're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. How do you do? Welcome to the pod. <laughs> Friendly reminder, you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we mentioned on the show. Our Instagram's at Forever 35 Podcast. You can find us on Facebook in the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. Our favorite products can be found at shopmy.us slash forever35. And we also send out a newsletter a couple times a month. You can find that and sign up for it at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. You know, Kate, everything mm. you just said is true. <laughs> Thank God. It'd be really um, weird if none of that was real. <laughs> That's true. But you can also call or text us at 781-591-0390. You can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And I just want to remind everyone about two things. One, about our merch. We have such cute merch. And you can get that at balancebound.co slash shop slash forever35. And our giving circle. Yeah, baby. We're trying... To hold off that super majority in Virginia. So toodaloot on over. Give what you can. It's really important. We so appreciate your support. Yes, we do. I echo what Dory has said. Um, and yeah, we're as of this recording, we are 46% of the way to our goal. That is bonkers. So that's exciting. Goodness gracious. So the election's November 7th. So we, you know, we have some time. It's only April, but we got to get moving. Yeah, we got to get the show on the road here. We got to get the show on the road. Shit is real. Yeah. All right. Kate, I Ooh. have I have some big news. I love when you come to the table with a bucket of news. <laughs> My news is I am restocking some prods okay so this is always big because dory is as we've discussed previously very loyal to her products she uses them and then if she likes them she brings them back so i'm very well, curious here i know you- so it's conf- it's a little confusing i admit because while i am loyal to my products i'm also like willing to try stuff that people send us of course you're not close-minded no but i if I'm going to try something, I do like to use it for a little while to like really see how it works. Great. And this is a product that I was initially a little skeptical of because I didn't love, I didn't initially love how it smelled. Oh, I'm so curious as to what this is. Okay. <laughs> um, and it does have fragrance in it, which is like, you know, not my fave, but okay, it's not like... I don't know. It's not a deal breaker in this case. Huh. It is the Alchemy Cantic Plus Nourishing Cream. Oh, this is a product I believe that this company sent to us. Mm-hmm. This company sent it to us. And they sent it uh, to us because past guest Hitha Palapu talked about how much she loves this line. And they were like, we heard Hitha talk about this on your show. You know, you can try some prods. And I really like this moisturizer. 
I find it to be very, I find it to be nourishing, smoothing. I feel like it gives me a nice glow. Ooh, I haven't tried this. Yeah. So I'm a fan. It's a little pricey. Okay. Um, And you've already blasted through one and you're buying another. I've blasted through one. I'm, I'm about to buy another. You can... It costs $81 for a jar. They also have a subscribe and save program where you can save 15% and then it's 68, that. $68 a jar. Um, it has like, it has SkinCeuticals vibes to me. Mm, 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 mm. Like just nourishing. Yeah. Moisturizing. Mm-hmm. I, you would say it's it's good for I don't want to say the word like mature skin, but like skin of a certain age. Well, in their on their website in their description, it says best for dry, dehydrated, menopausal skin. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I I for sure think I am in perimenopause. So, uh, so maybe you want to try this. Okay, I will. All right. Good endorsement, Dory. Um, All right. What else are you restocking over there? I'm also, I just did a big restock of the Hero um, sunscreen, which oh, yeah, I've talked like, about on the pod before. I have previously restocked. Wow. And this is a, this is becoming a bit of a ride or die for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. It is the Super Light Sunscreen SPF 30. It is a mineral sunscreen that to me feels like a chemical sunscreen just in terms of like consistency mm-hmm. and blendability. It's so great. I really think and it's, you can get it at Target. And you can get it at Target. So one tube of this is $20. Um and they also have a subscribe and save program on their website and you get 20% off. So if you do that, you get it for 15.99. That's a good price because I was actually, I was talking about sunscreens with my best friend the other day. She was looking for some recommendations and everything I found was like that I use and like is like starting at $30, which seems really high. Yeah, that is high. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Anything else that you're packing up there? Um, That is... That is all I want to talk about for now. <laughs> Can I throw a product into the mix? Yes, please. It's a sponsor product. It's from a sponsor. It's from Lather. And I have been using their Mega Moisture Magnet, which is their hyaluronic acid serum. And it's great. Mm. Yeah. I use it before I moisturize and my mm-hmm. skin just feels like extra and I am a de- I am another dehydrated skin person and I am loving this stuff in terms of a hyaluronic acid serum. And I've been trying a different hyaluronic acid serum that I didn't feel like was doing anything. So, FYI, and we have a I believe we have a uh, a code with them because they're a sponsor. Oh yeah, Forever 35 at checkout for 15% off. Ooh, okay. Mhm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Dory, this is unrelated to prods, but I did just want to like kind of share a triumph. Okay. With you and with our listeners. Listening. I did something that I've put off for about a year and a half, almost two years. Whoa. (laughs) Not a big, it wasn't a super big thing. It involved driving somewhere and picking something up. And it took me two years to go pick this thing up. And I have put it off. I've done things like um, put it in my to-do list for months. Mm-hmm. I've tried to... Com- I don't know. There were a lot of reasons it was a hang-up for me. I don't feel like really getting into them or what it was. It's not a big deal. It's just, you know, like some things I like to keep private about my life. But boy, I went and did... And like, you know, when you don't do the thing and you don't do the thing and then it builds and builds and builds in your head. Oh, yeah. And then like the shame builds oh, yeah. beside it for not having oh, yeah. done it. Yeah. And... Uh, like it had become this thing and I finally just did it. And um, you know, it really helped actually. I had been telling some friends about it and they were like, text us when you, when you're done. Ooh. They were, it was like loving accountability. And I, it, I feel like it's kind of tied to my ADHD brain in some way, but I think, ev- I think this happens to everybody regardless of neurodivergency. And they, I thought that was really nice. And so I texted them. I was like, I did it. That felt really good. 
that was That's nice awesome. that that was like someone suggested that without me even having to be like, can I please text you when I do this? It felt good, but I did it. I'm very proud of myself that I did the thing. I am proud of you for doing the thing. Thank you. That's Thank very you cool. Very much. I need that. <laughs> um. Well, should we introduce our guest? Oh my gosh. Yeah, Dory, take it away. I'm going to let you be the bio, okay. babe. So, full disclosure, our guest is someone who, as I said to Kate, I have a bit of like a writer crush on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you do. I do. And I don't I don't have writer crushes on that many people. <laughs> Let's be honest. Wow, okay. <laughs> you got to earn that crush. You got to earn that crush. Um, but this is a writer who... You know how sometimes you have those writers who like, you know that everything they write is just going to be like a banger. Yes. This is one of those writers. She doesn't, she, she writes like big feature stories. Yeah. And a few times a year. And it's like an event when her stories come out. Right. You stop everything. And you, you stop everything. You're like, okay, I'm buckling in. Um, her name is Carrie Howley. She is a feature writer at New York Magazine, and she's the author of a new book called Bottoms Up and the Devil Laughs, which is all about surveillance and online privacy and reality winner, the <laughs> the NSA employee who uh, sent classified documents to The Intercept. And yes, that's her real name. Um, she's also the author of Throne which was a New York Times editor's choice. She has been nominated for National Magazine Awards. She's she's just written some amazing pieces. She wrote a big piece for New York Magazine um, last fall about Jamie Spears and Britney Spears and the conservatorship. And anyway, her new book is amazing. Very intense. Very intense. And very intense. And uh, yeah, we really enjoyed talking to her. So here is Carrie. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash forever35. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. 
We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have, love it do they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office I'm looking at a picture of my in- children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also then you're not taking up your email storage. So win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs. It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a tretinoin gal. I love the tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've... Devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I've I mean, drawn the line. Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when oh. I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. No. With honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep mm-hmm. you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. 
After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Carrie, hello. We are thrilled to have you on the pod. Welcome to Forever 35. Thank you so much. I am so thrilled to be here. Before we dig into our own personal privacy, as well as just boy (laughs) privacy on a macro level, (laughs) let's start off talking about self-care. We ask every guest who comes on about a self-care practice that they have in their own life. Could you share something that you do that you consider self-care? Yes. Um, This requires a bit of setup because otherwise it will sound unbearably twee and you will kick me off your podcast. But um, I'm someone who has had trouble like privileging my own joy outside of work. You know, inside work, Mm. it's great. It's so playful. It's fun. I love my work. But outside of it, I always feel like I ought to be working on some like task. And then I'm also someone who has a really hard time. I don't find it pleasurable to be still. So like Mm. manicure is not it, you know, Uh, meditation is not it being at the beach. No. Um, And so I'm kind of finding my way toward um, the practice that helps me to feel embodied and present. And something that's come up in my life recently is that I've been walking my daughter to her preschool in the mornings. And I'm also someone who like is behind a screen a lot. And I worry about the diminishment of like my sensory experience, right? Like I'm not smelling, I'm not discerning sounds and everything. Well, on this walk one day, my daughter was like, good morning, leaf. Mm. Good morning, mountain. You know, good morning, um, space where the Santa Claus statue used to be, but it isn't anymore. And we just started going back and forth. And we were just, we're just noticing, right? And it, you can, it doesn't have to be pretty. It could be good morning, roadkill. You know, you can, <laughs> you can greet anything. You're just noticing good morning, car exhaust. You know, you're noticing whatever is coming at you. And then I invited my son on this walk. He was home. We had to get her to school and he was noticing totally different things. He was like, good morning, um, power cords like good morning Tesla, like definitely things I hadn't noticed. He was like expanding my visual field. So this walk in which I'm like fully trying to engage my senses and being there every weekday morning has really been what's gotten me through this whole stressful process of publishing a book and waiting for reviews and et cetera, et cetera. I love this so much, partly because I also have a child in preschool who I also walk to preschool. And, you know, we all live in Los Angeles, like being able to walk our children to preschool is pretty unusual, actually. Like most people I know have to drive. Um, And so I have also, I've had a similar experience where my son will be like, hello, crow. (laughs) Or, you know, like just, oh, mama, look, the the flowers on this tree are blooming. Like they weren't blooming yesterday or, you know, just these things that like in my sort of like, like I feel like half the time if I'm by myself, I'm like looking at my phone as I walk, which is like so horrible. Um, Or just sort of like, you know, rushing to get from one place to another. And so I really love what you're saying because I do feel like it is so amazing to kind of slow down and also see these things through our children's eyes because they notice things that we don't. Um, and I love that your son was noticing other <laughs> other things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I mean, in a way, I wonder if it is a Los Angeles thing. Like you really come to treasure your walk. <laughs> You're like, totally. Yeah, this is a privilege that we're getting to walk totally. two blocks. So let's savor yes. it. Let's notice those blooming flowers. There's also just something. Um, I have two kids and mine are a bit older than yours. So... Uh, it's our walks are less adorable and more like dissecting Harry Styles <laughs> songs, but uh, there is just something really like when you are brought brought down to their level, and I mean that in a good way. Like you are you are reminded of so much. They see the world in through such different eyes. That's yes. so. Um, it's just really grounding in a really wonderful way. That doesn't sound twee at all, Carrie. I think that's de- <laughs> yeah, absolutely no. delightful. 
I mean, I think absent the context, it would sound as if this is what I'm always like as a mother. And it's really, it's really just this, this 12 minutes, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, it reminds me, we just, uh, we recently had um, a guest, Cindy Spiegel on the podcast, and she just wrote a book called Micro Joys. Mm. And what she was saying about Micro Joys was really powerful to me. And, and a lot of it is about these moments that are seem small, but can actually be quite meaningful. Mm. Um, and yeah. and Im- impact your feeling for the, the rest of your day, impact your yes. mood, your perspective, all of it. Yeah. And I do think there is something, I mean, I hadn't thought about, about it this way until now, but like, and being like, that's what self-care looks like for me, right? Like, I'm not good at these other things that require me to sit for an hour. Right? <laughs> that's not how I can love myself. But I can just, I can notice the the fact that there's this one ripped leaf that has been there for three days and is changing every day mm. along the way of my like morning. Well, you also make a point that I really appreciate, which is, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, we've done this podcast for five years and like, very clearly, we believe self-care is different for every individual. But I do think you really represent people like my husband who mm-hmm. like for him sitting still is like he couldn't be at a resort at the beach for more than one day and like sitting at the beach all day or uh, otherwise he starts to crawl out of his skin. And I think it's very important to honor the fact that for some people like movement and energy is what they need to restore themselves. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, for me, it's definitely like lying flat for extended <laughs> periods of time. But that's not it for everybody. Yeah, no, there, there's a whole book to be written that's like self-care for people who hate relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's interesting to hear you talk about observing because so much of what you do as a writer is observing and drawing out those details from people and from the world. Um, And so let's talk about your book. My gosh, your book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is called Bottoms Up and the Devil Laughs and is essentially about privacy and surveillance and um, is a really... I would call it a compelling and uh, like frightening read <laughs> um, <laughs> way of putting it. on, on a lot of levels. Um, and one of the things that I, I wanted to talk about first is um, in your, I think it's in your introduction when you write about like all the photos, for example, that you have and just all the, all the digital stuff that you've accumulated and that we've all accumulated over the years. And that this is also kind of the same approach that the U S government has to had to uh, the accumulation of information um, in the, as you write in the early years of the 20th, uh, 21st century, absorb everything, all of it at once, stash it somewhere, worry about it later. <laughs> um, and I'm wondering what you think, what does this kind of do to us cognitively? Like, yeah. how does this change the way that we think of our memories and sort of our own narratives when we have this sort of accumulation of information? Well, thank you for that question. I mean, you've gone straight to the core of it. <laughs> that um, This book really comes out of that anxiety and awareness that there are now, there are receipts for everything, that we're leaving traces of ourselves in email, over text, in the cloud, like on Facebook Messenger, that so much is now data that can be reassembled by someone else to, mm-hmm. um, you know, giving someone else agency over our own identities. And I feel that, especially people within our generation, it's like this just sort of emerged and. Yeah it became our reality, but we never really grappled with it. You know, like we talk about it in these very specific ways. Like we'll talk about cancel culture, but of course that's a whole other, that's not really about what it just is to the moment before you send a text, wonder, should I really be doing this? Right. Should I really be recording this thought? Yeah. Um, And so that's really what the book is trying to express that anxiety. 
How do you think that plays out on an individual level, not just like with our own choices, but the ways in which we now have access to each other's information all day long? Like, you know, Dory and I joke about this, but like we are, and especially Dory, like both very good if, at, like if someone's like, oh, blah, 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 my ex-boyfriend, Dave from Indiana, like we're both very good at f- tracking down that person online. You know, like we are all kind of our own little surveillance operations at this yeah, point. We are. And I think personally, on an individual level, it creates this like, this mania of identity creation. And what I mean mm-hmm. like that is like, all of a sudden, I remember all my students, I was a professor at the University of Iowa, and they were all, everything that they would talk about, they would say that they were obsessed with. They mm. couldn't just be interested in something. Mm. Like anything had to be an obsession. It had to be all consuming and they had to convince you of this. And I began to see it as like a kind of anxiety. It's like, I need to constantly make myself so that when people try to find me, that, I, that I'm the person who has... Um, asserted who this person is, right? Like that I have, I have this like carapace that I'm comfortable with because we are like constantly vulnerable to this reassembly by other people. So, and I think I I can feel that too. It is a a mundane way to say it is like, well, I have to make a brand. Otherwise somebody else is going to brand me with all the like random shit that I've placed on the internet. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and there's also the, way in which the internet is forever. So things that we shared like in 2010, that if we had like made, had a conversation in 2010 that was not recorded, wouldn't be, we wouldn't maybe be held to that conversation in the same way that we're held to shit. We like shot off in a Facebook update without thinking. I mean, it's, it's a strange way and a standard that we're, where we've somehow gotten stuck holding ourselves to. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um and there's a way that something that you watch on the internet always seems new. Like it always seems like it's in the now. Mm. So it doesn't have this like accumulated dust which makes you which might make you more like forgiving or accepting. Um I do wonder if, you know, people who come after us whether this will just be the norm and they will learn to adapt to that or they'll come to kind of honor experiences that don't have receipts, right? That aren't recorded, Mm. that aren't available in this way. I mean, sorry, Dory, I have something like rambling off every question I have, but do you think that accounts for some of Gen Z and like the alpha Gen alphas kind of obsession with um, like disposable cameras or like Mm. I was talking to a 25 year old and they were saying like, yeah, everybody's using digital cameras again. I was like, oh, like they aren't, the immediacy is not as appealing to this young generation. The kind yeah. of thrill has worn off for them since it's all they've known. Like on a, on a much more kind of relaxed level, do you think that's all connected? I do. I also think they're most, they're more likely to be using um, text programs that like erase immediately after the conversation. You know, mm-hmm. I do think yeah. there has to be, even at an aesthetic level, like a, an ethic of coolness is not going to be this, right? It's not going to be like the forever tweet. It is going to be some kind of like, there's now mystery in privacy. There's something special about an encounter that doesn't exist on the internet. And I think that has to have an allure for them. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, I, I read a review of your book that kind of argued that you placed like outsized significance on what it meant to be a teenager before mm-hmm. smartphones and selfies and social media. And I was just like, no, like this person, <laughs> this person seems kind of clueless about what it is actually like to be a teenager mm-hmm. today. Like if you just go, if you go on TikTok, if you go like, it is a completely different experience that they are having with the creation of like themselves and their own identity because of social media and because of smartphones and because of the internet that like we just did not have. And sure, there are some like universals about being a teenager, but I just think like it is, it is totally different in my opinion. Um, And 
I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, you dedicated your book to mothers of reckless children. Um, and <laughs> we're all like, we're all parents in this conversation. And I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on navigating the surveillance state as a mom. Um, mm-hmm. and how you either plan on or already are kind of guiding your kids or modeling for your kids. Um, you know, my son, I only have one kid and he's almost four. And so Mm. these are not things that I've confronted yet, but I'm definitely thinking about them. Yeah. Um, I think it's really hard. I don't have like a pat or ready answer. Um, but I, do want to teach my children to honor a kind of experience that is just for them. Mm. Um, that there's something really extraordinary about just seeing someone in person and having a conversation that has no record anywhere that will only survive in your own memory. That it's, you have the power to forget that if you want, right? Hopefully that is something that only you own. Um, and you know, there's also something, it doesn't just have to be in person there's also still something quite intimate and private about an actual phone call, right? Unless yeah. you're in jail or you're like um, actually being wiretapped, it's very unlikely that your actual phone call, the content of it is being recorded. Like, yes, there's a record that someone made a phone call from this place to this place at this time. Um, but I, I know that if I have something deeply private that I would never, ever want public to, sh- to share, I, I'm still, I, I'm teaching myself. Like I, would be dishonest if I was saying I always do this, but I'm teaching myself that those are for converse, for not for written conversation. Mm. Um, and so just these little adjustments, you know, my children are not going to live their lives off the grid. Um, right. I know I get a lot of sustenance from group texts, right? I don't mm-hmm. want them to go without. Um, but maybe just distinguishing for them these experience that experiences that like involve the senses and involve privacy from something that does have the potential to like be subpoenaed, you know? Yes. How uh, do you think? Yeah. Oh, excuse no, me. No, it's just. I, well, I was just. Oh, I was ahead, just going to say that I think as you were talking, I was thinking for me personally, like one of the things that I would like to try to model better is um and I don't I don't put pictures of my son on the internet for like it's it's only like a close friends kind of thing but even so like not putting everything on all like on Instagram you know what I mean like not everything yeah. has to be on Instagram like some pictures can just be for us um and that urge to kind of display everything is maybe something that I need to like dial back um, for his sake. Yeah. I'm really not sure about that. I I do put pictures of my kids on Instagram. I think I want to distinguish for them though, like there's a life online and there's a life offline. I mean, I Mm. I recently heard a high schooler on a podcast talking about how she was living this life utterly on social media. And then she went to high school and she's like, Oh, it's actually nothing like that. Right. Like the, the, the social dynamics that are happening on Instagram are not replicated in real right. life. Right. And I don't even right. know that one isn't real and one is, it's just that they're separate worlds and there's something um, really disorienting about conflating them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, sorry. Go. Uh, No, I'm just, this is bringing up a lot of questions for me of just like, how do we wrangle back our privacy? Like, is there, is there a way to kind of, to kind of get a little bit of control over it? Because as you're talking, you know, I'm thinking about this idea of the way we refer to Instagram and Facebook as platforms as if Mm -hmm. they are passive destinations mm-hmm. that we just put things on that aren't then utilized ag- against us or for the companies to make money. I mean, like we're, we are really kind of stuck in, you know, and again, I'm making this about like me as an individual, we haven't even gotten into the larger ways in which surveillance factors into society, but do you see ways of kind of 
getting control back of our privacy or are we too far gone, both on a micro <laughs> and a macro level? I mean, I thank you for pointing out that the platforms are not passive, that they're actively mm. trying to addict us and pull our attention away from other aspects of our lives. I, I think it's really hard to predict what will happen. I mean, our children aren't going to be on Facebook, mm. you know, they're going to, they're going to seek out uh, completely other media. And I don't, I don't know what that will look like, but for us, I mean, I do think that we're in a really tough place where like our social lives are deeply entwined mm. in these, um, trying to think of a polite way to say it, messed up, <laughs> um, platforms and, and systems. And, you know, I almost want to go back to the beginning and talk about taking yeah, a walk. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it seems like the most radical thing you can do is just step away and not participate for a little bit each day in whatever capacity that that is possible. Yeah. It's a great point. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, we are back. Can you talk for the benefit of our listeners who may not have read your book? Um, could you talk a little bit about the book itself and how you became interested in these topics? Um, you know, I know that you, a large part of your book is about Reality Winner, mm -hmm. um, and you had written a profile of her for New York Magazine. And um, yeah, I just love to hear kind of your general interest in these topics and. Yeah what the what the process of writing the book was like. I do think that the the impetus for writing is the personal we've been talking about. I mean, I I jokingly refer to it as the anxiety of the subpoenaed mm. group text, right? Like it's the yes. bad art oh friend aspect of Ooh. like that any of us yes. could be exposed at any time, right? Um, yes. And when I looked for something to read about that, it was like everything would veer into something else. Like it would veer into the technology of surveillance mm. or veer into computer science or fourth amendment. Um, and I wasn't really seeing somebody tackling like that experience. Um, but the book really began when I was assigned a profile of reality winner by New York magazine and nobody had talked there hadn't been any in-depth profiles of this woman named reality winner because the analysis kind of stopped at her name. I mean, that is literally her name, reality winner. And she had become like a late night punchline in the era of Trump when everything seemed surreal, but she was a real person. She was a 25 year old, um, liberal leaning veteran CrossFit fanatic from Texas and she worked at the NSA and something came across her at work or she went searching for something um, that troubled her conscience. It was an indication that Russia had been attempting to interfere in the 2016 election. And so she's working at the NSA and she prints it out and she puts it, she folds it up. She puts it in her pantyhose. She walks out of the NSA she sends it to a publication called The Intercept, which mishandled it. And she ends up in jail for five years. But what was really interesting to me about this story 
is that reality is just like this messy, funny, super socially aware woman. I mean, she's, she's constantly created conflict because she can't help but help, right? She's going to tell you that you really need to watch this documentary about SeaWorld and you need to be worrying about Syria. And she's super worried about like the Dakota pipeline. And also, you know, you should probably be drinking less, right? Like this is all going to happen in one conversation with the best of intentions. And she's very like funny and self-deprecating about this. Um, but in the hands of prosecutors, all of the stuff that we've been talking about, like all of the texts or private conversations with her sisters were insanely reassembled to make her look mm. like a terrorist. So the most clear example would be um, she was just like chatting with her sister. I don't remember if it was text or Facebook message or whatever. Um, and she was like, I only say I hate America three times a day. And in, you know, and, and we have these registers, right? Like in our conversation, we might engage in millennial hyperbole. That's, that's a, that's a register that's very familiar to us. Um, but you take that and you get it put in the hands of a prosecutor in a Georgia courtroom and they're like, Oh, you say you hate America three oh. times a day because you're a terrorist, right? And just this kind of ripping of things out of context, conversations that in another time, would have just disappeared into the ether that nobody would have ever heard or recounted. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, it gives me, I mean, <laughs> from that to like you mentioned, bad art friend, it just like sends me spinning a little bit. Uh, and the way in which it, cha it yeah. changed the trajectory of her, of her life and was used against her in a way that landed her in jail. Yes. And, and the implication is not that we are at risk of being right. accused of terrorism by the Department of Justice. But um, as you say, that these things are not yeah. unrelated, that like there is a measure of risk we're all taking when we put everything in a position where it can be taken out of context. And it's been interesting to kind of think about how differently we speak to one another. You know, the way reality talks to her sister is not how she would conduct herself in the courtroom. And the way I conduct myself on a group text is not how I conduct myself in the classroom. And those things don't translate easily, even across maybe generations or regions. How does this impact the way that you, like your day-to-day -day life, learn knowing all this information and carrying it with you? Uh, has it changed how you, not behave, but like, has it changed how you conduct yourself? I think that's a really good question. And to, to be honest, the answer is really not really. I mean, I wrote this book because in part, the amount of information we were all absorbing in like 2016, 2017 was overwhelming, right? There was just an overwhelming amount of news. And I knew that there are many connections to be had between like, say, um, say QAnon and January 6th. And monster energy right. drink, right? Um, but it, I needed like to process those in such a way that the era made sense to me. Um, and so I would say that this is an attempt to understand the strangeness of our world mm. rather than just let it like flow past us. But it's not really about solutions necessarily. I mean, it, it's still really annoying to turn off the location data on my phone. You know, like it's, still, right. I'm still somebody who likes convenience like anyone else. Yeah. Um, I also, I wanted to talk also about your work for New York Magazine. Um, you know, you've written some hugely influential stories, including last year's piece about Jamie Spears. Um, and we touched on this a little bit in, um, when you were just talking about reality winner and how you became interested in her. But just wondering to you, what makes a great profile subject or a great story? Um, often it's like there's some there's some really obvious question that isn't being answered in all of the available coverage. So 
I just didn't understand why Jamie Spears would effectively imprison his daughter for 13 mm-hmm. years. You know, it was just, and, and I, and it was just kind of elided and everything else as if it was an unanswerable question, which of course at some level it is. Um, there are similar questions around, uh, Larry mm-hmm. Nasser, who was the, um, physician who abused so many gymnastics, um, professionals way back when, um, you know, it was like you would read an article and be like, this, what? This makes no sense. Like basic emotional dynamics weren't being explained. Um, so it's often, yeah, there's just some kind of, um, unresolved aspect to maybe wall to wall coverage of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is someone that you haven't profiled who you want to profile or? wish you had profiled? Oh, um, that's such a good question. Um, I'm really interested in an influencer named, named Emma Chamberlain. Oh, of, have you ever yes, heard of this? Of course. Influencer? And looked at her house <laughs> oh, yeah. and architectural <laughs> digest and yes. thought about her coffee. Yes. Um, I've listened to many hours of her podcast and I don't want this to sound at all diminishing. I'm fascinated by it. I haven't learned a single new fact. And <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And there's something really interesting about her ability to just make like content and entertainment out of what is available without drawing. And, you know, you would never know anything about the news. Like, you would never, Trump has never come up, right? Um, and, uh, the kind of bubble she creates, and I don't say that in a diminishing way, like is really fascinating to me. It's very separate from my own world. Mm. She's fascinating too, because I actually think unlike other influencers, I don't know a ton of like, she doesn't, she's monetized herself in her life, but there is like, she's managed to kind of have some wall up a little bit. I don't know if you feel that Mm -hmm. also, but like, I know less about her than I feel like other influencers who are so forthcoming with every fact of their life that it almost feels overwhelming. Like she's, she's an interesting content creator. Um, She's very self-aware, I think. And, um, and that self-awareness probably is related to the walls that you're talking about. Um, And there's also this aspect you know, as she was transitioning out of like full on YouTube fame to a kind of different stardom that she has now, there was this like beautiful stoner quality to her where she would just be like, what is this? Like, what is this where you're all just watching me constantly? Like, this isn't, you know, I didn't ask, I don't deserve this. I didn't ask for it. Like, how did this happen to me? And now I'm only like yeah, 20. Right. You know, I'm in this completely bizarre position. Um, yeah, there's something really innocent and so kind about her. I mean, that's another thing I should have said. And the hours of listening to her, I've never heard her say a diminishing word about another person, which is like hard to entertain people, you know, with like just the the, the mundane stuff of a life. But she does it beautifully. Yeah, I could now now I could talk about Emma Chamberlain for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you know, there's so much that we've given or that influencers have given away, like you have to sign away essentially a lot of who you are. And you're the same with reality TV. Like I'm just thinking of this current Vanderpump rules, Scandaval situation. And Mm. there's so much that you have to give up in order to make the gains that come with whatever that kind of success is. So it's interesting to watch someone try to figure out how to navigate that and do it in good clothes. But maybe she has figured it out because like maybe she's the answer because I think we have a sense we don't know what's going on in Emma Chamberlain's heart. You know, like she has exposed part of herself utterly to great success, but you can tell that there's so much of herself, her her very core that's being kept kept private. So maybe she solved the puzzle. Uh, Our hero, Emma Chamberlain. Uh, <laughs> Carrie, it, it's been such a delight to get to talk to you and to get to read your amazing yeah. book. Um, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow along with your work? 
Um, I am a staff writer at New York Magazine, so you could subscribe to New York Magazine. Um, you could check me out on Twitter or on Instagram or all these platforms that we've been <laughs> complaining about this entire time. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a total honor. Yeah, this was so great. Well, I loved Carrie's book. I mean, it like rocked yeah. me as you, as totally. I told you over text message. Totally. I was like, I'm having a totally. full on. <laughs> yeah. But it was great. I, she's so insightful. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that I feel like surveillance and privacy sometimes feels so overwhelming. I just like choose not to think about it. Mm-hmm. Which maybe isn't the best thing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Any hoots. That was great. Dory. Kate. Let's slide into these intentions. Okay, let's do it. Um, last week, you had a pretty ambitious intention, if I may. Yeah, I was trying to manage my time and follow my schedule. And how did that go? Was partially well. Um, Good. I have, I have like tentatively think I found a system that is kind of working for me right now, which is using Todoist in conjunction with my Google Calendar. Google Calendar is really like my life force, but I need some place just to kind of note to-dos, which also mm. works with my Google Calendar, which Todoist does. So this has been working for me, and I've been trying to really kind of like divvy up my time a little bit, and I'm the Todoist is helping. So, you know, I never, I don't want to ever say like I figured it out because knowing me, I'll change things tomorrow, but I'm feeling pretty good about this. That being said, my intention this week is very basic. So my family returned home from our trip. I think it's been two weeks now. Is that possible? My God, does time fly or am I losing my mind? No, I think it has been. We returned home. Hold on. Okay. I returned. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. Okay. So we've been home for two weeks since our road trip and we've not put our suitcases in our little attic crawl space. So they're just sitting in my bedroom. And like once in a while, I'll say to Anthony, like, we really got to like pull down that ladder and put the suitcases up there. And he's like, yep. And then we don't. And so I really need to put these suitcases away. Okay. This is a basic intention. You're gonna, but like, you know this. Do you, you know this experience. Do you want to text me <gasps> when you put away the suitcases? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, I do. Great. Thank you. Okay. Fabulous. How about you? How did it go last week? Just chilling on vacation well i mean it wasn't really chilling but as discussed i had a great trip and it was really fun it was a great family trip this week and this is something that i haven't talked about really on the pod but i joined a very like low stakes tennis team and i have my first match on saturday (gasps) Ooh! Now you're not playing doubles; you're playing singles. I'm playing doubles. Okay. Do you know who your partner is? I know her name. I don't. We've had practices. I don't think I've played with her before, so that'll be interesting. Exciting! Exciting! But yeah, I'm doing that. Um, and you know, it's funny because when I started playing tennis, I think. You know, and with and same with piano, you know, I was like, I'm just doing this for me. I'm not doing this to compete. Mm -hmm. Like, but what I realized like two years in is that there's, I don't want to say there's like no way to get better if you don't play actually against people, but like you definitely hit a plateau. And I was finding that it was hard to play just like casual games with people because I couldn't really serve. And it just like, I don't know. I felt like I, I wanted to kind of get to like the next level of being able to, to just like play. 
And I thought that joining a league would help me with that. I'm proud of you because this is my biggest fear of going rolling into like the pickle open pickleball sessions near me and putting my name on the board and playing. I'm terrified and I haven't done it. And my friends who I take my pickleball class are like, you got to do it. And I'm like, I'm too scared. So I see you. I see you hardcore. Um. I mean, you kind of wrote about this in your newsletter. Yeah, it's really hard for me because I'm such a people pleaser that my fear of making mistakes and yield rejection sensitivity, woof, really riles me up. Yeah, I hear that. Well, I can't wait to hear how you do. I'll probably text you tomorrow just to see because I'm curious. Tomorrow is the Saturday please, you're playing. Please do. Please do. All right. Well, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager, our network partners at Cast. We'll talk to you all again soon. Bye. Bye.